Really, Dad? The podcast. Welcome to Really, Dad? A show where me and my father talk about things that are happening in our lives and try and correlate it to how you can talk to your teenager or how you, a teenager, can talk to your parent. Uh, today, we're going to talk about trust. Okay, that's cool. I trust you, Max. I mostly trust you, too. <laughs> there we go. That's a good place to start. <laughs> I trust you. I trust you. Yeah? Okay, good. Uh, before we get into the, the main topic of the show today, uh, anything... Do you want to do rad and bad? Sure. Okay. Uh, do you want to start? Sure, yeah. Um, what's rad? Uh, we went out with your uh, brother and shot those guns. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. My uh, brother is a uh, gun enthusiast. Um, we live in Alberta, Canada, and uh, Max likes to refer to Alberta, Canada as the... I don't refer to it. Yeah? It's just we're talking about gun control and how uh, it related, like, how American Canada were similar in some ways and how Alberta is alike Alabama in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> I would more refer to it as the Texas. Right. Um, well, I was just saying that because they both start with A's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. So it's very, if, if there were a Southern province mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, Canada, that kind of mentality of individual rights and um, all that stuff, that would be the, uh, province of Alberta. Mm -hmm. And with that, that means that, uh, um, and again, I'll, I'll be upfront and honest with myself. I'm a little left leaning, um, but I'm very open mm -hmm. to hearing points of view and to find that win-win uh, yeah. in, in every discussion. Because I do think we are a species that has um, done well when we work as a community. Like our greatest asset as humans is our ability to communicate and work together. Yeah. We are not the selfish gene, you know, human beings that uh, others claim. Uh, if that were true, we would never have gotten as far as we have. Mm -hmm. So uh, that being said, yes, uh, we're out shooting guns and uh, we had a really good in, uh, conversation on gun control and, uh, you know, uh, rights of guns. In Canada, they just introduced new legislation after another mass shooting uh, that recently happened in Nova Scotia, where 22 people were killed by a man who had uh, uh, lots of weapons. He had uh, <laughs> a, a fake police car, a uh, uniform of a RCMP officer, and he eluded the police a number of times just because he looked like a cop. And uh, he burnt down three or four homes, some with people in it. And it ended up killing 22 people. So because of that, uh, there's new gun legislation uh, to ban certain guns in Canada. And uh, my... I don't think of the problem with certain guns being available. In that situation, it's just the police need to be, need to be more competent. Because they just <laughs> let a random person walk in because he was wearing a uniform. Yeah. They have... Um, uh, there, there's an inquiry going on about that. And so we won't get too much into it. We talked about it on the way down uh, to record this episode today that... Uh, we will do an episode on guns and guns control and talk to your kids about that. But not now. But not tonight because that wasn't the plan. 
And uh, yeah, we thought, you know, that's that's a pretty deep discussion for one of our first podcasts. So we'll uh, we'll wait on that one. But uh, it it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got some pretty cool guns. We got to blow up some two liter bottles of soda (laughs) and uh, shoot some targets and stuff. And it was kind of fun. Interesting to learn about, you know, safety. My brother's big on safety and, and all of that. And so we learned quite a lot about that, about guns and uh, it's interesting because he is on the opposite side of the gun control debate from most Canadians. He's one of the people that, you know, doesn't like the bill and doesn't like the approach. So we were able to hear his point of view and kind of talk about it and find that middle road, that win-win. And one of the things that he's very ardent about is that, you know, anyone who owns a gun um, should have a license mm-hmm. and be trained on how to use that gun. And we talked about police, too, and all that. And that should be another episode, because Mm -hmm. I think that's an important thing to talk to your kids about, especially um, in how to approach police, (laughs) you know, nowadays and and all the other things around it. So we'll have to uh, label that as a discussion someday. Yeah. But that was a lot of fun. I had fun with it, too. Um, I'm not really a big gun guy. Um, I know I I shot it a bit. Uh, I'm... I'll admit I'm a little uh, terrified holding a gun, especially some of the really, you know, big shotguns and the kickback and some of the stuff we're doing. But um, I'm a pretty good shot, mm-hmm. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> so it was fun. And uh, yeah, it was kind of rad mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, any bad? Shoulders really hard. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Got a bit of finger. recoil on the hand, kind uh, of torque your finger a bit. Yeah. And uh, did you get bruises on your chest? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, it'll show up a little labor, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the the thing of holding something that powerful in your in your body. Um, I remember seeing one at the gun range uh, quite some time ago. We're using a oh, what's that? What's that gun again? That's it's that forty four, forty five. Um, you know, and I I shot one up, but there's someone else shooting it uh, later, and. Uh, she got thrown right back, <laughs> landed on her ass on the floor. So <laughs> it can be comical if you're not really prepared. taught properly and prepared for to, to tease impact, a gun. Yeah. And it can be super dangerous, too, mm-hmm. if you're not really being careful and knowing what you're doing with guns. Yeah. A lot of trust. You know, yeah. being around people with guns. You got and, trust that they won't shoot you. And yeah, yeah, and you know, on the correct direction. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, one thing, you know, Andrew says that uh, wherever that gun points, that's it's dead. They're, yeah. they're dead. So don't point the gun at anyone. And white is. Yeah, because the white shows that it's on safety. Yeah. The red shows yeah. that it's off safety. Yeah, yeah. So white is right. Red is dead. Something like that. White, you're alive. Red, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. So it, it, we were practicing a lot of trust being out there in the forest, especially with Grandpa with a gun like that. Mm-hmm. So That little uh, kind of airsoft gun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grandpa wasn't very safe with that one. No. He was just like ch- it, chucking around. The pose, the pose, like every time he shot, it was just like, he just stood there. He wasn't like yeah. stanced up, <laughs> ready to shoot. He was just <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> He's a funny guy. Okay, so let's segue that into trust. (laughs) So Max and I are talking about, okay, what are we going to do for our next episode? And he thought it was important to talk about um, building trust in a relationship with your teenager. Yeah, between a parent and a child, there's going to be a lot of trust. Because 
if, if, like, your teenager doesn't trust you, or if you don't trust your child, you can't really be in, like, the same house, like, and that's, like, all you can be. Mm-hmm. You gotta be in the same house, so you have to be able to build that trust to live together. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's an issue with, uh, you know, especially your friend group, there's lots of kids that don't trust their parents, trust yeah. their parents or their parents don't trust them, they don't feel safe at home, you know, or feel trusted at home or whatever right yeah yeah that's 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 serious stuff and it's too bad um you know i like they don't do anything wrong it's just their parents always suspect them of doing things i'm fairly certain because they did things at that age yeah you think that's it yeah because they don't trust them because they were at that age one time and maybe they don't want them to turn out like them but they're not doing it in a kind, loving way. They're, it's very aggressive. Okay, so they, you, you feel they see uh, themselves and their kids, mm-hmm. and like I know what I was like at that age. So you're obviously doing those things and being that same kid. Yeah. Okay, and how does that? What is the result of that? You feel constantly being suspicious of a person who lives with you. It builds a very bad relationship because always snooping around their room just checking everything they do that's not healthy you can't properly have a relationship with no trust mm-hmm. yeah whether it's a uh you know a, a partnership like a marriage yeah, or a romantic whatever. relationship platonic there's got to be trust yeah a business partnership there's got to be trust yeah no totally i totally agree i um move this over here uh i you know, in, in my experience, again, you know, being uh, raised the way I was, a very staunch Mormon home, there was um, very little trust. And it seemed to be kind of baked into the philosophy of the faith. Yeah. That, you know, God has all these rules for you to fall because he obviously doesn't trust you. And this is exactly how you live to earn his trust. To live with him someday and if you break that trust and don't follow those rules you don't get the reward mm-hmm. and to me that's ridiculous because you only get one shot yeah and of course there's repentance and you know all these other things but you have to do all these things again to earn it back mm-hmm. and you know that, that kind of correlates to how trust works regularly mm-hmm. it's not easy to earn trust back but with God, that's like, after you die, you can't change it. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Yeah. Well, and my opinion always was is, if that's really how God is, he's a terrible example of a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really read the Bible and, you know, other scriptures. I don't believe in church, God, but I believe God's an asshole. <laughs> that's my standpoint on it. How come? Well, this, this, this is obviously another episode then. We're going to yeah. talk about God and religion. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just... I'm the very... I wouldn't say realistic person, but I'm mm-hmm. very... I don't want to say grounded, because that's kind of disrespectful, but... Mm. I don't see the evidence. Or mm-hmm. I, I'm open to the fact that that may be it, but I'm doubtful. Yeah. Well, to me, you know, back to the concept of trust, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the best example... Mm-hmm. of trust i do think we as parents can parent better than that example 
Because um, with that example, you can't properly communicate. Yeah. No. And well, and there's no communication with God. Well, <laughs> you know, not like, the same as you can get from a parent. Yeah. Like you can't. From what I've heard, you can't get direct connection. You can't directly talk to God or the Holy Spirit or whatever. Yeah. It's more feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't have a discussion with just feelings. Yeah. Well, and where those feelings come from? Mm-hmm. Are you creating those feelings? Those feelings being sent? If that's the way to communicate, like this whole thing's about communication. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, hoping your kid gets the feeling and the vibe you're looking for. You can't. Is you can't pretty poor communication. Trust off of vibes. Yeah. So. Um, I know a lot of people might just going to disagree with that, but you can't build trust off of vibes. Yeah. Well, and everyone's going to have their opinion on faith, and it's okay for everyone to have that, that the different approach. My, my and again, I think the the universal religion we all believe in is treating each other with kindness. And not everyone you know, believes in that. Well, it should be. To yeah. me, that's the universal religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you believe in that, uh, you know, like I don't think you should have to have a um, a fear in, in a supreme being yeah. to behave. Yeah. Like, my moral philosophy, it, it's how I aim to go into any uh, situation, how I hope I react is, if a person is doing something that does not harm another being, just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. You don't need to care about what other people are doing unless they're harming another person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if it's harming your beliefs or your religion or anything, that's your problem. Yeah. Not mine. Like, that's like a difficult spot because there's a fine line between hate speech and freedom of speech. And that's like a hard line to define. Mm -hmm. So... Saying things can be harmful, but it's difficult to find where that line is and where you should step in. Yeah. Well, we'll continue that discussion, I think, with the, the religion episode. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, because that's a big aspect of trust. To really believe in something like that, you have to have huge amounts of trust Yeah. to believe those ideas and stories. Um, with a, again, coming back to that relationship with a parent and a child when you know you have this overall idea that well kids are dumb they can't be trusted and that's they, like they weak they make bad decisions yeah. all of this stuff those concepts and ideas get in the way of trust with your kids because mm-hmm. they're and, not true yeah exactly like people underestimate children mm-hmm. and a lot of uh children's like tv like entertainment they're completely undermining the intelligence of a child and dumb everything down to a point where even they don't find it interesting. Yeah. You got to treat them not necessarily as adults, but you got to treat them like with the respect because they do know things. They can, they, they have the mental capacity to understand depth. Mm-hmm. One of the terms that always bothered me as a child was when someone, an adult would say, you know, act like an adult. Yeah. And then they grow say, up. Yeah. But then they don't treat um, that they don't treat you like an adult. as though you're an adult. So you learn what it's like to be an adult. Yeah. When you're trying to teach anything to anyone, you, you have to model it and you have to practice it and experiencing and fail at it and get better. And that's how we learn anything. Mm-hmm. It's not just, okay, well, you're not an adult. Because I'm not treating you like one. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have any of the rights of an adult. 
but, but you have to. But I like want you to act like an adult. So you have to be like me. And it's just like, well, you know, yes, you don't have the the right to vote or these rights or that right, but you have to be a totally engaged citizen and do all these things. It's mm-hmm. like, why? I have yeah. no rights. Because like, because people always say, oh, you need to act more more like an adult. You have to get more involved. And then when we do get involved. People are always like, you're just a kid. You don't understand. We do understand. We want to get involved, but you prevent us from doing so. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you turn 18, and there's this magic wand, and poof. All right, you're an adult now. And even when you're 18, people don't trust you. Yeah. That really only goes into effect when you're, like, mid-20s, 30s. Like. Yeah. And, and really, the thing I've learned from, you know, the kids that I've raised and the experiences in my life is... If you want a child to become an adult, you have to treat them like an adult as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So they have time to learn from those mistakes and model what an adult life is and what the experiences are so that when they are an adult, they already know how to act like an adult. Mm-hmm. They've been trusted like an adult. And too, too often when we tell kids, okay, don't drink, don't have sex, don't, you know, you don't get to make any of your financial or money decisions. And that's just disrespectful. You know? You're not trusting. You, I don't know how to phrase this, but like, you're telling them not to do these things, but in a way that's like, telling them you don't trust them. Mm-hmm. You don't trust them to do any of these things. So you're blatantly telling them if you do these things, I'm going to punish you, and that's, in a way, that's kind of like a lack of trust. Yeah. Well, and. Really, the like if you talk to anyone, and I'm and I'm sure some of our viewers know and, and understand this that to to grow and learn, you have to fail. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the great um, entrepreneurs, athletes, all the people that have had success in their life, they, you know, it's not about what are the things they did right. You know, it's the because it's it's one or two lucky things or things line up and now they're successful. But it's all the years prior where they failed again and again and again and they got right back up and learned from it and and changed their approach and eventually figured it out. Mm -hmm. And then they knew what to do because they failed so many times. Like in in my experience in the clinic, um, you know, I get lots of parents come in and they have issues with teenagers. And I... You know, this scenario, this story has happened multiple times where I have a parent in and they're really upset about one of their children. They're doing drugs. They don't want to go to school. You know, all of these things. And they don't know what to do anymore. I've tried everything. I've done this, 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 and this. And when you hear these stories from these parents, it's not, there's no teaching happening. It's, I controlled everything. Mm-hmm. All these years, so this wouldn't happen. Or whenever they had a problem, I bailed them out. And I solved that problem. So there was no learning experience no. of how to solve it yourself. No. Like I tell parents all the time when they come to the clinic, I said, your kids need to fail often and early. And the only way they can fail is if you have trust. Mm-hmm. And you give them that opportunity to go out and screw up. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, okay, you did that. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to solve that problem? And you help them solve that problem because they're not in a state where they can completely help themselves. You give them a leg up. Mm-hmm. You don't completely shove them up there, but you give them a leg up. Yeah, that's good. You know, because 
as you continue to grow and learn, you know, you're going to make those mistakes, but that's okay. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't define who you are as a parent if your child makes mistakes. It doesn't define who you are as a teenager and as a young adult if you're making mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine to, you know, do things, screw up, make mistakes, learn from it, and get better. Because, I, you know, as your father, I want you to, you know, explore, find those things, find out who you are, make those mistakes, so that by the time you're an adult, you've hopefully made a lot of those mistakes already mm-hmm. with me at your side so that you know what to do when you get up there as an adult and you're like well i've been through this before this is what happened this is how i messed up this is how i fixed it so if it happens again i know what to do right i think too often parents have you know in a way handicapped their children by trying to make all the decisions for them or bailing them out helicoptering them for one thing or another mm-hmm. or oh you're not doing well in school or you know, you're having a difficult with a relationship or a teacher. Let's take you out of school. I'll teach you at home. Right. And we'll avoid your problems, avoid the, the, the difficulties, and I'll just solve everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, you shouldn't treat your teenage years as a transitional period. Although it may feel like that, you have to treat every day like it's a day. You can't treat it like a transitional period because that, it lessens the effect it has. Okay. Yeah. Uh, explain that further. So, if you treat like certain years as a transitional period, you don't really live through that. You, it, it's kind of like you're gliding through it. It's a transitional period. Mm-hmm. If you only view it as a learning experience, you don't live. Yeah. In that time. Yeah, and I think too, it's um, you know, often I get uh, I treat a lot of young kids and teenagers in the clinic. And the number one thing I treat these kids for is anxiety. And what I'm surprised with is the majority of these kids that I treat with anxiety, they're, um, you know, they have really high grades. They're in a sport team. They're in a program. They're, you know, they're super over-programmed. And so every waking hour, they're, you know, doing something. They're in school. They're, they're in school, learning a skill, working, whatever. And at that point... It, you're you're just trying to learn everything in a sort in a short amount of period, and that's not good for your health. Mm-hmm. And with that, you gotta quit some things. You gotta drop some of those responsibilities so you can live. So, yeah, you can be a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, because you this you only get an opportunity to, to be that carefree and you know just do whatever for a short period of time in your life. Mm-hmm. And if we're forcing those things on kids too early, one they're going to look back and regret mm-hmm. on the stuff they missed out on. Um, you know, you know, I never want, um, you know, I like, I, like I have some friends, they look back and look at high school as like, those are their glory days. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. I worry about them because you're so much better mm-hmm. <laughs> than who you were in high school. You have so much more potential and, you know, uh, now you have all this freedom to do whatever. Like, live your life. Yeah. Don't live in the past. Uh, and I think too often as kids, they look and they live in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, they never truly live in the moment. Yeah. It reminds me of, a, there's a, a chapter in the course I teach, The Five Elements Letting Go, where we talk about time traveling. And that's something I do too often. I'm trying to, like, fix that in my life. Yeah? Well, let me explain it, and then you can talk about it. So... 
I think too many people are time travelers and they spend way too much time in their head in the past or the future. And usually what happens is if you think about young kids, as they're getting older, like when they're really small, kids are in the moment. They're awesome at it. Mm -hmm. Like they're fascinated by a bug for 30, 40 minutes at a time or, you know, whatever it is. They're really into it. But then I think as we age, this push to, you know, act like an adult and figure everything out and all this, kids start thinking too much into the future. So it's all about, oh, I can't wait till my first kiss. I can't wait till I get a job. Like, yeah. I can't wait till I get a house, a car, a mortgage, all that stuff. Because yeah. that's when life starts. Mm-hmm. That's when everything gets to be happening and things are awesome. And, and it just, it's one thing after another. Oh, I can't wait till I find my sweetheart because then I'll feel complete and we'll have everything. And then. And with that, you can't just get in a relationship with someone and you'll be happy. That's not it. No, and, and it just goes from one thing to another, from like, okay, then we have to have kids, and then I have to have the best job. And, and then, then I'll be happy. And yeah. Then it's like that one video from, uh, who is it? I forget. Like that uh, turtle guy that talks all about moral philosophy. Oh, Alan Watts? Uh, no, 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 the, the one on YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going I'm to look for it. Yeah, you go time. ahead, and I'll, I'll just continue with this. So then, you know, as I was saying, you know, it's like one thing for another that people just keep thinking of the next thing that's going to make them happy and be in the moment. Uh, kids, then that's finally retirement, and they retire, and there's, you know, they're just continue looking for this amazing thing that's going to happen. And then they retire, and they're sitting around, and they're bored out of their tree, they miss their kids, miss their job, and then all of a sudden, there's a switch, and it's all of a sudden, oh, I miss my job, I miss the kids, I miss when my hips worked and my knees worked. <laughs> and then they spend the rest of their life looking to the past. Yeah. And this is like the, the big overall picture of what happens. You know, the majority of people think of the future most of their life, and then, you know, for the last third, they're thinking back. But then there's people that in every moment, you know, because when you look into the past, you're basically creating depression. Yes. When you look into the future, you're creating anxiety. And I look into the past and the future way too much, and yeah. I have both of those. Yeah, because when you're not in the moment, you're you're not really living, and you're not at peace, and you're not, you know, your mind and body aren't really experiencing life. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm alone with my thoughts, that's all I think about. Yeah. yeah. And I hate being alone with my thoughts. That's why I always pump entertainment through myself, and I just feel empty watching it. Hmm. It's, but... You know, if you can find those things that bring you to the moment, help you feel that peace, then you can let go of some of those feelings. Yeah. Um, but overdoing it, watching it too much, that's not healthy either. So no. yeah, it's difficult to get through those times, but you have to find some way to get through it. Uh, sure, go ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, and then we'll be okay from like Exerbia, how do you pronounce it? Oh that? yeah, Exerbia. Yeah. yeah. He's got some fantastic videos in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think... Um, you know, the one thing I share with patients dealing with this is, you know, we need to find tools and practices that help bring us into the moment. Mm-hmm. So whether that's meditation, qigong, uh, walking, you know, all these things where we're not distracted by our mind, but we can start to be comfortable with their thoughts. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, is, our thoughts aren't, um, they're not us. Mm-hmm. Like if you can like you know picture yourself like stepping back in your head and viewing your thoughts, you know 
you, if you can see your thoughts, they're not you. Mm-hmm. You know, like in your mind's eye, you can like see those thoughts happening in your head and the shifting and changing and the distractions. That's showing, it's, it's revealing to you that those thoughts are external. They're not you. There are things that you just develop this habit of letting those thoughts kind of take control and take you there. Um, but it's just not grasping onto those thoughts and, you know, connecting to the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just a practice. It's not something that uh, most people are particularly good at because <laughs> it takes practice. Mm. And we have, um, you know, a culture that continually reminds us of our failures and uh, wants to continually distract us from the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to slip into that practice. And a lot of people who have moved past and grown from their past mistakes, the past mistakes are being buried up and put against them, even though they've grown from those mistakes. Yeah. So again, this is a way to build trust is to one, you know, forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think too, it's important, especially with teenagers uh, or any kids at any age, is you treat your child uh, the way Treat treat them as the person you want them to be, mm-hmm. you know, and not just the way you want to be treated. Because unfortunately, if you don't have a great self-esteem as a parent and you've had a lot of trauma mm-hmm. and you were raised poorly, your viewpoint on how you should treat a child is a little skewed, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Because if you're treated poorly by your parents, you know, any improvement on that you think is being a good parent mm-hmm. rather than just kind of pulling away from your own experiences and feelings and just be like, okay, uh, how can I, you know, uh, assist this child in feeling confident and at peace and safe and all of these things so they can go out into the world and make choices and grow and learn from it. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I, I really believed very early on before you got, even when you guys were really small, is that it is our role as a parent to give our kids a self-esteem and and help them to develop that self-esteem because the world won't give it to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like it's it's doing everything can to tear down our self-esteem and make us feel crappy about ourselves. Um, what do you think about some of that? Yeah, um, I partially spaced out. I that's okay. Uh, what were you thinking about? Nothing really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, those are great points. Like, um, you have to trust your child to be who you want them to be. You uh, treat them in the way that you want them to become. Mm-hmm. And I and I think too is you have to, um, you know, like one thing that I often say to um, whether it was you know Kira Spencer, you know uh, the other kids in our house. Is that, you know, and, I, and I've said it to you when you go hang out with your friends, you know, you go out there, do whatever, you know, take care of yourself, keep yourself safe. If you need anything, if anything happens, you call me. Mm-hmm. And with that, all my friends are amazed. The fact that I can constantly rely on you, that I can trust you, they are amazed by that. Yeah. And I feel bad for them. The fact that they don't have that connection, the fact that they can't trust their parents to be there for them. Yeah. Um... Like, I remember quite a few years ago, um, Kira was out with some friends. And they're just walking around town. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I think she was only 
maybe 13, 14. Okay, so she's off with friends. Uh, it's not terribly late. Um, our town might, on the old books, have a curfew mm -hmm. for a certain age. I can't remember. But all I remember is about 11, 11.30 at night, something like that. Maybe a little later, I can't remember. We had a police officer come to the door. And so there's this very grumpy police officer at the door. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've got your daughter here. And, you know, she was all mad at us and just kind of livid. And I'm like, yeah. So what'd she do that was wrong? Well, she's just out too late. And you had to drive her to our home in a police car because she was out too late. And the officer's so mad at me mm -hmm. that I wasn't ripping my child a new hole, you know? And she kind of yelled at me a bit. And then, you know, like, you know, well, the next time I'm not going to save your kid and get him home to you. And I'm like, they can take care of themselves. She's like, going to be fine. <laughs> were they doing anything illegal? No. <laughs> a bit like. Yeah. Were they hurting anyone? No. Were they vandalizing? No. And so I took Kira under my arm and told the officer, you know, thank you for your concern, but my, you know, she's just fine, you know. And I wanted Kira to know that I had her back. Mm -hmm. That just because some overzealous police officer decided that she was going to, you know, overparent everyone's kids. And again, you know, in another situation, this may have been good if they were doing something wrong, you know, and if the officer had brought them to me and, hey, they broke these laws, then I'm going to approach it differently. Yeah. But I don't want her to think, oh, you're a bad kid because this cop decided and I didn't want that to tear down her her self-esteem or I wanted her to understand that that's another adult not trusting placing their mm. viewpoint and ideas and you know again it's is that police officer created no trust in those kids and to me that's not a way to you know help the youth mm -hmm. to scare them like scaring and intimidating like all the kids were crying in the car all these girls is not a good tactic at all no because it doesn't build trust either. Uh-huh. Because no. with, like, the uh, capitalist societies, like, uh, here in Canada, America, and all those countries, we build trust with our government. While in, like, North Korea, China, it's fear. They, they're afraid of their government, and that's not good, because you can't properly run a government and have citizens if they don't trust you as a government. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they're going to revolt. Yeah, and unfortunately, with... Fear as a tool to, you know, um, coerce and manipulate, it doesn't encourage any growth. Mm -hmm. Because if you're fearful, then you don't take you, change, you yeah. don't change, you don't take risks, you you kind of settle into this obedient little child mode to always please your parents, mm -hmm. and then you know, then you've moved up and moved out. And you never really learned anything. You're still mm -hmm. this little obedient child that has never taken any risk, doesn't know what to do. They rely on their parents all the time or they don't want to move out. And parents wonder why their kids are still in the house Yeah, in their 30s. <laughs> it's because you never taught them how to get out. You never taught them how to, to be an adult and do these things because you never trusted them. And I think, so too, some parents, they 
you know, uh, especially like kind of earth type parents. Um, and in my course, we talk about earth, you know, element, the parents where they want to control everything mm-hmm. and they need to be needed so bad that they uh, try to control everything and they kind of like uh, undermine their kids, not necessarily, you know, consciously, mm-hmm. but like subconsciously do things and act out in certain ways. So their child will always need them. Mm-hmm. And that is a very unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. with a child and a person. manipulate them to want to depend on you. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, uh, a couple people who have um, what's called like a, uh, like a surrogate spouse relationship with their child. Where the mother and daughter are basically spouses. And they get married, but their whole focus is on their parents still. And so they never really fully commit to their partner. There's not really that commitment. And then they have children, and now there's the parent, the children, and then the spouse at the bottom. And that is not healthy yeah. for a relationship. And, you know, it's the same kind of approach. Again, <laughs> we're probably going to talk about this in every course, but again, with the religion, where it's like God... You know your parents your child and then your spouse then your kid you know there's this yeah. like this uh delineation on who who you have to give the most love and and love attention is not a to. finite source no and there's no like levels on who you're supposed to love more i find with kids whichever kid needs the most love at that moment that's the one you're loving mm-hmm. or the one who's in your presence that's the one you're loving. <laughs> like it's not all that difficult you just love and uh, there's no order to it or limits or anything like that. Yeah, very interesting. So, in so, what do you think are some tools, or some actions, or some things that parents can do to build trust with their kids? I think a good starting point is letting your child go out. Mm-hmm. Because constantly keeping them inside and not letting them do things to be a teenager. That's not trust. You have to trust that they're going to be okay when they leave the house. You gotta let them leave the house, go out with their friends, and trust that they're not gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what happens when they're eighteen? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, magically, they're gonna be protected. No, they have to learn how to protect themselves mm-hmm. and how to make good choices. So again, I think you know some of that trust goes to yeah. Some of the discussions we've had all the time is just. Okay, as a teenager, there's this out there. You know, there's marijuana. All right. So, you know, here's the, the risks associated, or the concerns. There's not a whole lot of risks with marijuana, actually. But um, what are... Apparently there's no linkage with marijuana to drop it of IQ. Yeah, I know. There's this... I think there's... I don't know. I can't remember how year, many years back there was this one that said with youth, if there's, like, heavy usage... Um, it can have like a long-term effects on IQ. Right. But again, that was one study. I don't know how that that's been duplicated. I doubt it's been peer reviewed. Or if it's been debunked now. Uh-huh. Who knows? And with that, if you're a teenager, you're not going to be like heavily using it. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, in, in my experience with patients, with kids that use a lot of pot... They're it, in an unhealthy relationship with their parents. Exactly. It's, it has nothing to do with the addiction. 
issue. They just feel trapped it's in their emotional. own emotional. Yeah. And they just want to find an escape. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever there's a use in drugs, there's an escapist mm-hmm. uh, thing going on. So are you, uh, or, and, and, and again, you know, one level of the, with drugs, I'm trying not to feel a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. So if I get drunk or if I use drugs, I, I don't have to feel this feeling as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really big with like heavy drug use, like big time, uh, you know, drug users that lose that, uh, that control with their substance, they are using those drugs to bury very deep trauma, mm-hmm. whether that's sexual or emotional abuse or physical abuse. And that's the thing we need to look at and approach when we're dealing with addiction is what happened? What are they What's the trauma? What's the pain? Let's fix the pain rather than focusing on, oh, you just got to pray harder mm-hmm. and, and then that, that addiction is going to go away. That's not how it works. You know, you can't bury the pain and just expect it to go away. It's going to uproot itself. Yeah. So, yeah, with young teenagers, if they're, you know, heavy pot users, that's, what are you trying to avoid? Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to avoid real life or real conversations or real emotion. And you're going to that to try to just survive, you know, or escape reality. Um, and again, marijuana can be a, a fun drug. If used safely and... In the right environment with the right right people. Yeah, and it's not used as um, an escape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, again, when your kids are going out, experiencing life, you need to give them that trust that they can go out. Uh And you have to let them know, okay, well, you know, these are the things that are going to be out there. There's going to be pot, there's going to be alcohol, there's going to be... These are the ways to safely use them. Yeah. The safe environment. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to act like an adult. So if you... Are approached by these things you know this yeah. is how an adult would yeah. approach it you know um, you know like one thing with alcohol that I've taught all you kids is that you know alcohol will always accentuate whatever whatever emotion you have when you start drinking mm-hmm. so if you're in a really dark depressed place alcohol is not a good idea because it's just gonna increase those feelings mm-hmm. if, and if, if you're ever in a, like a dark depressed place you can't turn to drugs you have to in a sober state, build yourself up, and then use those drugs as a form of entertainment. They're not an escape. You can't use them when you're in a dark place. That's going to make it so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're in that place, what's the best thing you can do? You can reach out to someone. Mm -hmm. Talk about it. Share those feelings. That's far more effective at helping you let go of those feelings than ignoring them and using a drug or a substance. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about the kids about, okay, alcohol is out there. Like one thing that really I find super interesting about alcohol, particularly in trust with kids is, you know, here in North America, um, the, the drinking age is anywhere between 18 and 21, right? In some states in the U.S., it's 21. I think the oldest it is in Canada is 19, okay? In Europe... I think in B.C. it's like 21. Uh, I think it's 19. You'll have to check. Yeah. But I... What I noticed what, when I was in Europe is uh, if people let kids, you know, sip wine or have a little bit of wine with dinner or whatever at a very early age. Mm-hmm. So they're introduced to alcohol quite early and there's no judgment with it. It's like, this is normal. You have, you can have some, uh, some wine with your meal, you know, this kind of thing. And when we were in Paris, um, whether, you know, it seemed like every evening 
in a park or along the, the river. Um, there were groups of young people, you know, under 18, some eight, you know, 18 and over, but you know, these young kids and they'd have, you know, a little like meal or whatever, some, some snacks and a bottle of wine and a blanket all over town. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting there drinking together as friends, laughing and having fun. No yelling, screaming, no binge Drunk drinking, outrage. no fights, nothing like that. Because they know how to deal with it. Yeah. The whole week we were in Paris, nothing like that. Just laughter and fun and good conversation and all of this. Because they were slowly introduced to it. Yeah, because they were told alcohol isn't this terrible thing and stay away from it until you're exactly 18. And then when we were walking our way back, one, on our, I think it was our last night on our way to our hotel, I could hear like shouting and kind of like, you know, maybe fighting or something like this, right? And I'm like, wow, that sounds kind of like Canada, <laughs> you know, down on Electric Ave or something. What, <laughs> where is this? And as we got closer, um, it was the, the Canadian pub. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You know, that... Here it is, you know, all these, you know, French and European, you know, young adults are drinking wine in the park and along the river and everybody, no problems, no shouting, no fighting. But as soon as I get to, you know, anywhere near the Canadian pub, there's tons of Canadians or Americans in there, maybe, you know, just smashed, mm -hmm. going crazy. And I think this approach with alcohol is like that with most things in life. Where like, okay, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Okay, today you get to do that. Mm -hmm. And then they go crazy with it. Yes. Them. And, you know, there's a recent study that came out where they're talking to, you know, young adults, teenagers, college students about binge drinking. And it's like, they don't want to binge drink. Mm -hmm. But everyone's doing it because now it's the finally the time. Right. And, you know. They get to experience it. They get to feel that now. Yeah. And they just overdo everything. And this is a very North American approach to everything, mm -hmm. is to the extreme with everything, right? This Grow is... fat with your strength. Yeah. <laughs> and so they overdo it, and they get smashed and just turn into assholes with alcohol in them. Mm -hmm. So the, um, you know, that approach, the European approach to a lot of things, with alcohol and sex and, you know, drugs, all of these things, it's, there's a lot more trust. Mm -hmm. And open understanding that, hey, you're coming to be an adult. You need to understand these things and experience them to it's know how to do it as an adult. Yeah. Because although they may smoke more in Europe, you know, and they drink more alcohol, probably, or mm -hmm. fairly close, probably same numbers, their a lot rates of alcoholism and alcohol abuse and, you know, uh, uh, domestic abuse, arrests, jails... <laughs> All of that is so much lower. Because there's a lot more trust in the society. Yeah, I think so. I really do think so. And the same goes for families. That as we, you know, you know, like it's it's a decision as a parent that I want to trust my kid. Mm -hmm. I want them to learn to be an adult. So I'm going to treat them like an adult and give them those opportunities to get there. Mm -hmm. And it just makes such a such a big difference. You know, and um, again, this, you know, some of the stories you're sharing about, uh, you know, some of the friends and kids, you know, that, you know, to not trust your parent and not want to be in the home and, 
you know, always want to be out because you just don't feel accepted or safe. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that do to your psyche as a young child? Mm -hmm. You know, to not feel like, well, I can go home and just be myself and do whatever because... And in some of those cases, they can never truly be themselves because when they're outside of the home, they have the eye of strangers on them. When they're inside the home, they have the eye of their judgmental parents. So they can never truly be themselves. Yeah. Like one thing I kind of look at it too is, like maybe a part of the thing that helped me as a parent was, um, you know, for a number of years, I had, uh, you know, Crystal's kids and I sharing a home and they're not my kids. Mm -hmm. So... I'm not going to parent them like my kids. And, you know, I was, of course, raised with a very strict Mormon kind of, you know, training. And, you know, I started kind of leaving that as you guys were getting older and letting go of that and started to embrace kind of this concept of, well, I think some parents feel they have that ownership of their kids. Mm -hmm. Like, you are mine. I own you. Right. Like, one thing that parents say is, I... I put you into this world, I can take you out. And that's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Like, you can't say that to a child. Yeah. That's threatening to kill them. Yeah. And, and and I don't, I don't think there, I don't feel that ownership. And I think there's, again, I don't know if that's like a, a an underlying religious thing or something, but. I think it's to, uh, sort of uh, entitlism. It's a ego thing. Yeah. Yeah. See, I always look at you kids as roommates, mm-hmm. you know. Younger roommates that need support to eventually move out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, with that, um, you know, I think it's important to, like, you know, you learn how to do your own laundry. You cook the majority of your meals. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make dinner even every night because I work two nights a week or whatever the things you want. I know Chris tries to make, you know, a lot of meals for you guys when she can. But there's this expectation that, you know, you can take care of you yourself. can take care of yourself. There's a lot of trust. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm not gonna say what you have to eat or when you have to eat or how much you have to eat or uh, if you're supposed to exercise or do your homework. Like you know, one thing um, you know, if you don't mind me sharing with everyone, you know. So this last semester we had uh, COVID come along. Oh right, and how I completely dropped that one class. <laughs> do you mind if we talk? Oh, about totally. That? Yeah. Okay, so. Um, you know, Max had a full course load mm-hmm. and transferred over to, um, you know, doing it all from home. And I was so impressed. You know, I, I was really good. I was on top of everything for yeah. a couple of weeks. Then I just stopped. It was more than a couple of weeks. Yeah. I think you were good for the first two months. And yeah. then I just stopped. I couldn't do it anymore. I was yeah. in like a really deep depressive state yeah. and I just couldn't do it anymore. Well, you know, that lockdown was hard on everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I tried really hard in all my work. Yeah. I just couldn't stare at the screen anymore. Yeah. Because you'd get up every morning early. You'd get up, make your breakfast. You'd sit down. You'd put in at least two hours every morning. You know, kind of get it done. And you're doing really well. Like, you did great in school. Mm-hmm. And then this transition, those first couple of months, you're doing, you know, not as good in school, but good. And then I think it was just your last month. Yeah. And there was one course in particular that you... You were really excited about taking that course. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, communication technology. Yeah. Uh, filming, uh, Photoshop, all that. I was really excited to learn it. Yeah. But I don't really. I didn't really like the teacher. I didn't really like the way he was teaching it because he wasn't really teaching it. I think what he said one time in class was, 
Google it. Don't come to me. Oh my goodness. He dead ass said that. He was like, I have so much to deal with. Just Google it. Yeah. And at the first week, I understood that. I was like, okay, he has a lot going on. But throughout the class, he wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Like, he could have gone step by step. Like, this is how you do these things. If you need help, come to me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's usually what the the word teacher means. Mm -hmm. You have to teach them. <laughs> you're you're taking steps to help them and understand like, and learn something. Yeah, and that's like the <laughs> wrong kind of trust. Yeah, he's he was trusting us to do all these things, mm -hmm. but we didn't know how to do it, and he should have known that because we're learning how to do it. Yeah, and that's the exact opposite of what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. right? There's the control. Don't do anything. Don't go out. I don't trust you. And then it's the I don't care. Do whatever fuck right off yeah that kind of parenting parenting is also bad yeah you got to find the balance of helping your child out but not being a helicopter parent yeah and so you you did your best then you were just tired of being on the screen all day long mm -hmm. and i and didn't understand some of the projects yeah i didn't want to go to the teacher because she was just adamant about not having anyone bother him during class time so i just thought i'm not gonna bother him outside of class mm-hmm and so you basically had decided, what, three weeks, four weeks before? Oh, yeah, probably about four weeks before you were done this semester that... I I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that class anymore. I yeah. draw. I just, I didn't officially drop it. I just stopped doing the work. And I passed it. <laughs> I passed all of my classes. I, I'm proud about that. I, I think I'm not going to do it again. That was a bad idea, yeah. but I'm proud. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was COVID pity on that teacher's part. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, I, in class... I don't know a, if you earned that. I'm always a good student. <laughs> yeah. So, he understood. Mm -hmm. Right, he's working hard. He must have had a bad time, which yeah. I was. Mm -hmm. So, he must have took pity yeah. on me. Well, that's good. But I, I remember us talking... We talked about it a few times, didn't we? When we'd go for walks and we'd be yeah. talking about how... Okay, well... And I wanted to do it. Yeah. I tried, like, almost every day to do it. Yeah. But I wasn't reading anything. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the screen. I wasn't reading anything. Yeah. I think if you had the right you know, guidance and inspiration from a teacher, you would have done really well in that class. Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, we were talking about it and we said, okay, you know, like I didn't say, no, you have to pass that class. You have to do your homework. Okay, so now I'm going to get on top of you and make sure you do it every day and, you know. And I couldn't do it. So yeah. that wouldn't have helped either yeah. way. Yeah. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of us parents have experienced through COVID that, you know, like even as parents, we're just like, we just throw our hands up. I'm having a hard time getting mm -hmm. through this. And now I'm going to tell my kid they have to put in 100% effort. So we said, okay, well, that's your choice. If you're not going to want to do anything, chances are you're probably going to fail the class. And then what? Yeah, and I, I was talking about summer school. Yeah. I passed the class, and it turns out they did, weren't doing summer school. I know they canceled summer school because of COVID. And so they canceled in the foothills here, but in Calgary, they kept um it going and what happened to we here on the radio today a kid oh, yeah. in summer school got covid right and so the whole class and the teacher has to now go in quarantine for two weeks you know this whole thing is nuts so anyway then my role i felt at that point as a parent was okay you have a choice if you're not going to do this you have to solve it mm -hmm. so if you're failing it you either have to make it up in summer school or you're just going to have one less option or spare and you're like i'm fine with that and to me i'm like 
I think that's a pretty good balance. That's the real world consequence. I do. I understood the consequences. You understood it, and I was willing to go through with it. Yeah, yeah. And that's how the world works. Mm. You know, we as adults do that all the time. <laughs> We're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. But you're like, I don't care. Yeah. I'll take that on. I accept that. Yeah. It's fair, and I'll accept it. Yeah. So why, as parents, why can't we let kids do that? Mm-hmm. Why can't you treat them like adults when you want them to act like adults? Yeah. I, right there, that is like a summary of this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want them to be adults you treat or them act like, like adults, really treat them like adults. And give them that and trust. Don't go, and don't go the full way of not teaching them things. You have to teach them things and work with them. But you got to give them the respect they deserve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to continually remember, remind children that, hey, you know, this is happening or that's happening. Or you're, you're seeing this thing. That's great. If you're going to do that, you need to know. You have to explain this is what the consequences to, do here, to them. Yeah. Like I remember... Um, uh, uh, Hunter, and because he's not here, so I can't ask for his permission. So mm-hmm. I won't go into too much detail. But uh, he uh, he's an interesting kid because he doesn't talk a lot, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Hunter's our, my oldest son, Max's older brother. Uh, he has autism, um, really like severe autism t- uh, when he was born. Didn't speak till he was like six. And uh, now he just finished his university program and he's got a full-time job. But when uh, uh, he was in, in high school, he came and approached your mom and I and that he was sexually active. And I'm like, of course, you know your mom, he ha- she has a little, you know, She's a more, bit of apprehension. More She's a little bit more to, to that side. And so she would feel more comfortable and safe if he just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I think we both knew, and she was she's really good with it, you know, for the most part, where she was, you know, we're like, hey, we know you're going to do it. So I took him to the store. We got condoms. God, I'd I, hate to do that. would be really fucking awkward. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. There's some other parts of this that I can't share. <laughs> I don't want to hear it either. <laughs> I don't want to hear it either. But I'm just like, all right. So yeah, you explained the yeah, safe way to do yeah. it. Yeah, you gave him the equipment yeah. to do it safely. Yeah. You trusted and, him. And you trusted him. <laughs> What's tough is, um, and I think Hunter would be okay with us. You know, uh, uh, Hunter's bisexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max is gay. Okay, and so um, with the, this particular relationship. Uh, with Hunter, I'm just like, you know, I know you need condoms. I don't know everything mm-hmm. because I've never slept with men. So I hooked him up with my friends that are gay and they were texting him, you know, and kind of sharing things with him. Just like, okay, well, yeah, condoms are great, but you need lube too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of, you could get lube condoms and that just works fine. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about things like that and. You know, that's not a conversation you want to have with your child, but you have to. You have to, yes. Just to make sure they do it safely. Yes, because, you know, like, and at that age, if he waited till that age, that's way longer than I waited. Mm-hmm. You know, so good for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think there's no particular perfect age for having sex the first time. I think what it is is 
You when have to be with someone you that you trust. feel special with. You have to you, you have to trust. Be emo- you have to be emotionally stable. You have to be able to trust that person. Uh-huh. And there can't be a power difference. Like yeah, yeah. One person can have more power than the other person. That isn't right. So it has to be like as close equal power as you can get. You have to trust the other person. You have to be emotionally stable before you do that thing. That's a huge point. Yeah. That's it's very grown up, Max. You know, because you know you don't want to be in an abusive relationship or mm-hmm. someone that's just using you. But uh, yeah, so we had a really good conversation about it. Made sure he had everything and he was prepared. Really good is an, is an overstatement of a conversation. With yeah. Sex with <laughs> but it went well for him, mm-hmm. and he knew how to approach it. And you know, we talked about it a lot because it wasn't a perfect relationship either. So mm-hmm. we were able to kind of talk about how we should approach it and protect himself and all of these things. And um, I'm grateful that he had that trust in me mm-hmm. to share that because, you know, you know, for our listeners, how many kids out there would talk to their parents about sex? Fucking very little. Of them yeah. Because they don't trust their how, parents in that way. Yeah. How many parents would have their kids come up and talk to them about sex or be, you know, prepared to, Hey, let's have this conversation. Mm-hmm. We should have this conversation because it's huge. So if you're listening <laughs> and you've gone through this, you know, we will do an episode on, you know, sex and, and all of that. But uh, again, this is just another example of having trust and the rewards you get from trusting your kids and having that open line of communication. And them trusting you. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I think that's a pretty good point to end on. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to sum up about trust? From your point of view as a as a teenager? You have to be able to trust your child that they will... It's not that they won't do those things. It's that they will do them safely. As a teenager, they're going to do things. But you have to trust that they're going to do everything safely. And for them to do it safely, you have to tell them how to do it. You have to teach them. You have to give them the equipment to do it safely. Yeah. And it's going to be like, you know... Um, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with the parents saying... You know, I don't know if you're ready, mm-hmm. but if you feel you're ready, yeah, these are some things you should be feeling, or these are some things that should happen. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable with you doing at this age, but if you're confident that you're yeah. able to do this, here's the way to do it safely. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I even, you know, remember on that time period with uh, Kira as she was getting older, you know, like she's not my daughter, mm-hmm. but she feels pretty much like my daughter. Right. And um, I just remember saying to her as she was kind of getting around that age that, you know, whenever that happens, I just want it to be special for you. So, you know, try to make it the best memory you can. Right. You know, that it's with a person you want to remember that moment. Yeah. You know, if you're drunk or high, that's not, that's not, yeah, you ha- that's not a great memory. You have to be sober. Like, for the first couple times, you have to be sober to understand what you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, those may be awkward conversations to have, but you have <laughs> to have them to yeah. make sure that your child's doing everything as safely as they yeah. can. So anyway, you know, with her, um, I think it went well. She, you know, had a, you know, from my understanding, kind of how we've talked around it, because and she's talked to her mom more, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a little more detail than with me. 
Um, so I know it's gone well and she's very, you know, like because of the trust that we gave her, she had this tremendous confidence mm -hmm. to have ownership over her sexuality and her choices. Adult. Yeah. Rather than, I think if you, you know, and it, it's getting a little more balanced in your generation mm -hmm. with sex, but I know with my generation, because sex was this thing that um, was uh, not talked about or tried to control, mm -hmm. and then it was always the girl's fault, mm -hmm. <laughs> never the boys. Right. And so girls didn't feel that um, kind of ownership and control and trust in right. themselves to make those choices. And, you know, it's a, uh, it wasn't that great, mm -hmm. you know, of generation, how we treated women and uh, our approach to sex and, you know, that relationship. There was a little more, too much power, mm -hmm. like you talked about earlier, uh, in one half of the relationship than the other. It wasn't very balanced. So, yeah. Wow. That's some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So we want to build trust. We want to give them opportunity to um, fail and to learn from it and to show our trust and mm -hmm. again show them and how explain you, to them yeah how do you hey do safely this is how to be a freaking adult yeah here's how to do things safely these are the consequences when you fuck up yeah. here's how to do these things yeah. do not push them up that hill but give them a little nudge you know yeah oh, that's great well max you're a very mature young man <laughs> yeah, well that's <laughs> the thing like <laughs> I'm fairly certain on average, but people don't have that trust in children mm -hmm. to trust that they are mature when we are. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think most kids are. It, mm -hmm. But I think the way we parent kind of dulls that and yeah. pushes it down rather than giving them that opportunity to flourish and, and grow up quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, and at the same time, though, you know, I want you to understand and make, you know, have those experiences, make those decisions as an adult, but I'm not going to push you too quickly to take on responsibility of an adult either. Yeah. Because, you know, you're a kid. You're allowed to play and relax and just have fun with the world. Yeah. Because you're going to have a majority of your life where you have all that responsibility mm -hmm. and the stress of being a parent and, and an adult, not necessarily a parent. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Well, I can think of. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for joining us at the uh, Really Dad podcast. Bruh. <laughs> where... We talk about how to communicate with your teenager and develop trust. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have lots of interesting co uh, conversations as we continue on. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to pick one big subject each time, uh, delve into it. And, and try and stay on the path. And yeah. We might get sidetracked sometimes, but... Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do our area. best to try to stay on track, but uh, each time there'll be, a, you know... We, Max already wrote down like two or three future podcasts about things we've already talked about. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say, Max? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. How, how, how do you like to end this podcast? I don't know. You had a really good thing at the end, but like the last video, I cut you off completely. <laughs> but that's what that I'm was talking a, about. That was a good bit. That yeah. was a really good joke. I'm proud yeah. of that, but we, yeah. I forget <laughs> what you said at the end of it. Oh, I can't remember. It was something about, uh, you know, love and trust and... Something, something like that it, it, with teenagers. It kind of like rhymed in the same way of live, laugh, love. Uh -huh. it, it was like rhythmic. Yeah. It was well, nice. you'll have to go back and check that because you cut yeah. it out. Because I've just been waiting for you to do your final thing where you just shut by and the video ends. Yeah, I don't want to do that every time. <laughs>
I thought that was your signature thing. Nah. <laughs> so, um, out to our listeners, this is our second podcast now. Um, and yeah. we invite you to uh, rate and review. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really, from our understanding, we're not experts of podcasts, but we understand that. If you're watching on YouTube, comment. Tell us what you would like to yeah. hear, your own experiences. Uh, that, really, like, we're doing this mainly just because we're super curious of what's happening out there. And we want to help. We want to help. So comments, you can message us. I'm also interested in the sponsorships and the money. But yeah, yeah helping okay. people is good. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, rating and reviewing a podcast is how it helps uh, get discovered by other people. Yeah, so we um, can help more people. Yeah. And, and of course, you can always share this. Send it. Um, what I really would like to see is um, I want to hear stories about uh, teenagers sharing this with their parents or parents sharing with their kids. What kind of discussions they get out of this? Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's going to be really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we continue on, I think it'd be really cool um, to maybe interview sometime parents or kids that are listening to the podcast and have had these discussions. So. Um, if you're interested in that, you can always send us a message and you might be on the podcast. Yeah. Or if you write and review or share any questions or comments. Yeah, leave your experiences gonna... in the comments, what you need help yeah. with in the comments. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get around to uh, helping you. Yeah, and we'll mention the podcast and we'll, uh, we'll answer your questions uh, here in the podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. We will go back and check that awesome, cool thing Max said I said at the end of the podcast. Yeah, because it was really proactive and we should end with that. Yeah. I told you to write it down last time. Oh, okay. Well, we have an uh, audio and video record of it. We'll yeah. figure it out. We'll check it out and then right. we'll do it okay. after every other one. All right. From here on out, love your teenagers, show some trust, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Sick. Okay.